G'day and welcome to another episode of Perth Property Insider. I'm your host, Jared Mann, and today we're getting stuck into part two of Regan's journey so far, where hard work is definitely going to pay off in part two today. So going to take us through his Mount Hawthorne project where he subdivided and built a brand new home that's still under construction, but uh, the end is in sight. Lots of profit in that one for him, which is great. And he's going to take us through his overall learnings that he's gotten to date, as well as what he sees for the year ahead and some of his future property plans. So really excited. Let's go inside. Welcome to Perth Property Insider, where you will learn how to grow your wealth and improve your life using Perth property. Our show is brought to you by Investors Edge Real Estate, the highly rated and award-winning property management specialist servicing the whole of Perth. Now, here is your host, Jared Mann. Cool. So from there, while you were still living in there, Mount Hawthorne came about, didn't it? Yes. So we were actually still living in Beckenham when Mount Hawthorne came about so the move to Gosnells was uh, I guess served a number of purposes it gave me more time to renovate that property but it also allowed us to lower our cost of living we were able to rent Beckenham out for more so increase cash flow and giving the or given the setup or the layout of Gosnells it lent itself pretty well to having a housemate so we had a good friend of ours move in okay he was living by himself because his father had just moved back to New Zealand so we thought you know give him the opportunity to cut his costs and also make some money for us. Yeah, so, well, you guys are brave. My, I don't think my wife would ever let me have a housemate after we got <laughs> married and had kids. But yeah. it was something well, I floated with her for a while. I was like, you know, even if we, you know, rented this back room out, it's just I'm going completely wasted. So yeah, one that you did. Yeah, exactly. Well, it worked out well. We sort of knew that, you know, it's a temporary thing and the house was well laid out for it. We don't really have any common areas and to add to that, he's a shift worker. So okay. half the time we come home from work and he's not even there. So, yeah, you know, and obviously we're good mates. So it, it yeah. works out well. We don't have any issues with each other. So, yeah, cool. And that was the reason for doing that. Makes sense. And that sort of came about after we purchased Mount Hawthorne. We thought, let's move into Gosnells and tidy it up while Mount Hawthorne is in the process. And so tell us about the Mount Hawthorne one. Yeah. So um, we purchased that in. April of 2022. There's actually a pretty interesting story behind how we got this one. So it's a bit of a Stephen Bradbury story, at least that's how I like to describe (laughs) it to people when I tell them. So we first looked at the property in February of 2020. We were coincidentally looking at another home open on the same street that was open at the same time. Uh, We weren't ready to buy, but we looked through and thought, all right, this property would be great. It ended up selling after that same home open in February. We thought nothing more of it. Fast forward to April, we're ready to buy. Couldn't really find anything in the market, being very particular in what we were looking for. And then one night, my wife noticed that this property had reappeared on domain. So it didn't show up as a new listing. It just sort of came back on saying, okay, still there. So I contacted the agent the next day, managed to go and inspect the property that morning and then place an offer that was accepted. So it turns out what we found out in hindsight was that property had originally sold for 856,000 but because of the uncertainty with covid the original purchaser had pulled out or didn't get finance or whatever the case was mm. so we were literally able to just slip in at the end and get it for a steal $36,000 less than the previously yeah, accepted so you got offer. 8, 820 didn't you yeah 820 mm. yep 
So I think um, the way it works with, it was an original state house, I should add. So I think the way it works with the state is they'll accept the highest dollar value offer as long as it meets whatever other conditions they have. So we were the only ones competing after that point. Yeah. So we were the highest offer. Well, it worked out really well because if they didn't re like highlight or re-feature the property, it would have already been stale online by that point. So by the time they just take it from being under offer to off, it would have probably been down on, you know, God knows what page. Yeah, yeah, exactly. No one, no one else noticed, obviously. So yeah. Yeah, good job, Kimberly. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I also found <laughs> out the other thing um, that the Department of Housing will do if a property doesn't sell, they'll reassess whether they want to retain that property and tidy it up themselves and then re-lease it. And apparently we had just swooped in before they decided to reconsider what to do with that property. Mm. There was one just up the road on Perslow Street, which um, they did exactly that. It received an offer, but it was too late and they decided that they wanted to retain. Okay. And this one was a 670 square metre corner block and R30. So Yes, that's right. So with an existing three by one on there in original condition, I think it was built somewhere around the 1960s, I think. Pretty run down, but we saw obviously a great opportunity to demolish and build a family home. So that was our intention. And what we were planning to do was basically build the exact house that we're building now, but retain that, that what became lot two, retain that as a backyard and just have an amazing family home. Yeah, that, that would be a massive block for that area with yeah, most exactly. of them being sort of 460 to 490 square metres being big there. So 670 yeah. would have been really big. Yeah, and it would have given us obviously opportunity in the future to subdivide and sell off that vacant lot at a future point. Yeah. Didn't quite work out that way, but that was the original plan. Original plan, yeah. So tell us where you went with the property um, from there. Yeah, so... Um, because of the finance side of things, we were unable to do that. So we made the decision that basically we're just going to subdivide straight away, sell off what was lot two, which will allow us to pay down the existing debt and then build our family home on, on lot one. So, that's so how big was part. it when you subdivided? You basically did it in half, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. So two equal lots of 335 square metres. So a little bit smaller than we would have liked, but, you know, there's so many great parks in Mount Hawthorne that we can make use of. Um, so and it was a corner, wasn't it? So at least each of them got their own street frontage. You're not exactly. losing land. Yeah, no common property. Way. Yeah, exactly. No common property or, or anything like that. So I think it worked out as best as it could have, um, which was great. The other benefit is we coincidentally had some friends looking to buy in Mount Hawthorne or similar area and looking for around 340 square metres. Oh, um, yeah. So we sort of made the best of the situation and were able to reach an agreement with them to purchase that property off us. And now they're building a family home there as well. So um, At least you'll have a nice new property next door to you. Yeah, exactly. And we got to hand pick our neighbours. <laughs> <laughs> and how much did you end up selling to them for? So we sold to them for 536000 which I think was it was pretty well on around the market price at that point in time. But what we did do was sort of share the savings from agent fees with them because we we sold it off market to them so yeah. didn't have to pay that agent fee so we we decided that um would sort of split that savings with them just i suppose to yeah, nice it's good. make it fair i remember you were speaking to me about 
selling it and then you popped up asking for a settlement agent and I thought you'd sold it with another agent <laughs> and I was a bit dark on you at the time. Yeah. yeah, in hindsight, I can see how how you would have been a bit dirty, but um, I probably should have kept you in on what actually happened. Yeah, because you were like, oh, give me give me your input on this property and then I was like, what? You want my wife to be your settlement agent? <laughs> yeah. That's all good. I'm glad you got a good price and sold to your friends because uh, – at least now you can have a cold beer with a mate uh, when you, both your houses are built. Yeah, exactly. He can help me with the yard work and all that sort of stuff, you know. <laughs> Probably got his own. Oh, no, he'll be, I think he's a bit further ahead than you in the build, isn't he? So. Yeah, he is. Yeah, they're probably a month or two ahead realistically. Oh, not um, so not too much, but, yeah, we'll hopefully both be finished this year. And I was taking a look in that land now, believe it or not, would likely be worth 700000 so plus so yep. at least at least that so yeah certainly gone up a lot in mount hawthorne um, yeah it went absolutely crazy particularly when those grants were announced um the price of land started going up and i didn't really know if that was going to be sustained but you know given there's no eligibility to the grants now and that's the value of the land then hmm. it probably has been sustained so well i think um, what's happened as well because so much land got brought forward and sold up in these tightly held areas it's actually been a positive thing for land in the inner areas anyway because yeah. there's so little else available that isn't mm-hmm. a long time off coming on and yeah. when a block occasionally does uh, they're you know still getting good prices yeah yeah exactly well no it's, it's it is good news for us obviously we retained one block so that's gone up in value it's good news yeah. for our friends so I think everyone's won in that situation. And take us through the cost of subdivide because a lot, a lot of people go wrong by thinking, oh, you know, this will be 15 or 20 grand and there's mm. often costs that aren't always known or appreciated. So how did you go? Yeah, so our total subdivision cost was about $45,000. That included the demolition cost, which was by and large the biggest expense out of all of it. That was um, a little over $17,000. Yeah, so seventeen so, of the forty-five. Yeah, that's the big yeah. portion. Yeah, exactly. We made a claw or managed to claw back some of that money, though. We sold the original Jarrah floors out of the property before it was demolished. So yeah, nice. I found a place that wanted to purchase them. They literally came and took them, so I don't even have to rip them up. And then we sold a few trees for about a thousand bucks as well. So okay, uh, better than going to landfill. Yeah, and some money sure. in my pocket is always good. <laughs> so how long did uh, the subdivision process take? Yeah, so we received titles in April of 2021 after beginning the process in July of 2020. So it's about nine months, but yeah, there were delays because of those building grants pushing time out at, yeah, <laughs> at Landgate and all that sort of stuff. So it wasn't, wasn't the end of the world, but I think in an ordinary market probably would have been a little bit quicker. It's still pretty good yeah, compared yeah. to where how long some people take. And yeah. what was your profit, I guess, from that land when you take the half there? overall cost or portion it that way and yeah take half the subdivision cost and yeah how did you go at that point from selling that one yeah so solely in relation to that lot too it's a profit of about eighty six thousand dollars before tax yeah which is pretty good considering we didn't do anything <laughs> we literally acquired it in april and you know sold it or at least had the contract signed in july so um, then just had to wait for settlement, which is obviously after titles were issued. So very happy with that. Yeah, obviously okay. So I been... didn't appreciate that your friends actually bought it well, literally just as you were starting your subdivision. Yeah, we the timeframes so, we thought um, would have been shorter on the subdivision. 
So, you know, it, it did end up getting blown out for them as long as they couldn't they act on, on the purchase, but they had at least um, secured a block. Yeah, exactly. would have been a lot more difficult for them to find something in the thick of it and it's kind of good for you to, at least at the time, know you've got a buyer and have some confidence that it's done. Yeah, and we were we were able to proceed on designing our house and, you know, getting all that sort of stuff sorted out in the meantime as well. Yep. Whereas I think if we if we had decided to hold off and sell at a future point, we wouldn't have been able to proceed on that basis. So Yeah. Swings and roundabouts. Swings and roundabouts. <laughs> and so what sort of experience have you had so far with building the the new home, isn't it? Because you're planning to, yes. to live here. Planning to live there, yeah. So we've probably gone a little bit overboard with some things, but um that's the emotional <laughs> side coming out. But the, the experience so far, it's, it has genuinely been a roller coaster of excitement, stress, and disappointment. Oh, wow. um, disappointment from the delays, not from the builder's side of things. Um, but yeah, it's, it's an interesting building. process and it's all going smoothly at the moment. So if it stays that way, then it'll all be good. Nice. And how long are you expecting to go? Yeah. So unfortunately, on that, our builder, you know, they're struggling to give time frames with. That kind of thing just with how crazy the market is and the shortages of materials and labor but we're hoping to be in by christmas which would put a roughly 18 month build time mm. i think it's pretty reasonable for mm, it's double story isn't it so, a double story yeah. yeah yeah in today's market that's probably pretty reasonable and what's the likely total build cost you're thinking um, so, yeah we're estimating the total build cost at about seven hundred and twenty thousand dollars which includes a price increase that we received early on in the piece. And I, I think that probably could have been pulled back a bit. We we could have pulled things out of the contract or decided not to do certain things, whether it was skylights or the extra bath or whatever. But it, it was a twofold decision. One, we wanted them. So that was the emotional <laughs> side of it. And the, the financial side of it was that's not out of place in Mount Hawthorne. So we're not exceeding market expectations by doing these things. Yeah. So that gave Buyers a lot of appreciate yeah. the extra quality of finish and, you know, yeah. paying extra for it. It's not as big a deal when yeah, exactly. you yeah. see it. Yeah. yeah. So that made that put comfort around those decisions for us that, you know, we're not too dissimilar to anyone else. So if we like something, chances are the market will like that as well. Mm. So whether that's finishes or windows placement or doesn't matter what it is we're not too dissimilar to anyone else and what's your likely profit from that half i know it's hard to tell because it's not yeah. finished yet and there's not a huge number of comparisons of two-story houses on smaller blocks but yep. there's certainly some that have started to appear and uh, get really good prices so yeah so i think um based on i guess today's market as opposed to the market at the time that the property is completed yeah the value will be around the 1.6 1.65 million yeah which is fantastic we're stoked with that and the total cost to us is looking to be about 1.15 million roughly so on paper what's that four hundred and eighty thousand dollar profit yeah 480 to 500 yeah yeah very happy with that we'll, we'll owe about a million dollars on that so it'll be mm. somewhere around that 60 to 62 percent lvr hopefully Just, giving us some equity to do something else yeah I mean, I guess when you combine that with your profits from the first part, it's it's crazy and really awesome to see how you've you've um, compounded your learnings from the first two properties you bought and gotten 
more confidence from taking those action that that action and I see this quite regularly and I, I didn't realize how uh, similar your story is to uh, Cameron's until I got into uh, right. preparing your interview. <laughs> yeah. I wasn't um, choosing two people that have, you know, done well on developments in inner areas, but uh, yeah. that's ended up being a um, common thread of yeah. what you've I'll both done. Yeah. So, yeah. You might have to delay the release of this one until you've um, come on with a different story. <laughs> I've contemplated it. <laughs> we'll see where we end up. Yeah. So what are some of the learnings, I guess, from Mount Hawthorne to put some icing on our cake for us? Yep. So, um, I mean, obviously this purchase has been very good for us financially, but I'm trying to sort of take that step back and think that it's not necessarily all about the money. So um, we're extremely happy to have secured a home in a lovely area and a great school zone for our children, which was, as I mentioned before, really the driver for that decision. But ironically, it's those same factors that have made it a good decision for us financially. Yeah. So the school zone and the, the area and all that sort of stuff is why we've had such a good return so mm. and i found the property. same with buying our home when we did in uh, yeah. wembley we're in the bob hawk um, catchment same as you in mount hawthorne and yeah. similar reasons of schools and location being the first factor for that and yeah since now seeing um profile of how those areas operate and you know how much stable they are during the downturns and you know, yeah. just how crazy they've gone in this period. And I feel like yeah. they're still very undervalued too. Um, I was yeah. bouncing uh, a purchase in Mount Hawthorne around from you, yeah. uh, just around the corner from you the other week, if you remember. Yes, <laughs> so, yeah, I remember So I saying. still uh, believe in the area there. Um, yeah, our kids could have been walking to school together. They could have. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, any other learnings from Mount Hawthorne? Yeah, so I think... While we are happy with the decisions we've made to date, a part of me wishes we had slowed down to an extent. Obviously, there's a bit of a theme there. Mm. I'm just brushing into things all the time solely because we've been caught up in that building rush. So I think had yes, we chosen to slow down, it would have alleviated a lot of that stress that we experienced with the delays, which I think in hindsight, the, the stress is probably a little bit unnecessary because you know at some point you'll filter through the bottleneck it's not like the property will never be built. Yeah, it will, it will be built. And if you can afford to handle those holding costs in the meantime, then it's not the end of the world. Yeah. And at least uh, you kind of reduce some debt from selling the, the exactly. first part of the land. And, yeah. And um, I did an episode that I'm releasing soon on, it's called Patient Urgency. And it's this concept that I've um, come across that the most successful investors have it. And I'm trying to continue to cultivate it in myself and it's like sometimes you need to be patient but then sometimes you need to be urgent and how do you mm. combine those characteristics so yeah it's something right. we all play with yeah oh that's very interesting i think that's probably that applied quite well when we were purchasing the mount hawthorne property because we were we were being very considerate and particular about what we were looking for and what we were trying to buy so we were patient, patient in that, that sense. and then yeah. when you finally saw it come up you you struck stri exactly. you know, striked while the iron was hot before anyone else managed yeah, to see it so exactly and it's crazy when you you trace that back because you know you made potentially some money on the front end because you were willing to act in the uncertainty and the other buyer didn't proceed and the seller was even more wanting to get out so you know that definitely helped as well to improve your overall exactly right yeah upside. some people say that you make your profit when you purchase 
So I think at least to an extent here, that was very true. I think we got um, a very good price on that property. So imagine if you were starting out again, what would you say to either your past self or any of our listeners that are at their first purchase or starting their journeys? Any advice? Um, Yes, I would say you need to understand why you want to invest. I completely understand that there are people much further advanced in their journey than my wife and I, uh, but I would encourage everyone to understand why they are investing. It'll make the difficult times worth it, obviously. Um, So for us, we want to reach financial freedom because it leads to freedom of time and freedom of choice. And our investment journey is just a big part of that. And we'll use it as a tool to instill financial literacy in our children through example rather than just theory out of a book. And subsequently, it'll provide them with opportunity and choice in life, which is ultimately what we want as parents. Yeah, that's what it's about, isn't it? And then, of course, it's fun as well. Yeah, I remember you messaged me saying, oh, this buying a property thing is really addictive and fun, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Exactly right. That's right. I have to go back and um, I've got an episode coming out with uh, Lacey Filipich again from Money School and we covered um, how to raise financially savvy kids. So I got her on to pick her brain about the best and fun fun ways to do it um, and keep them engaged and when's too young to start. And, yeah, I think think you'll love that one if, um, if you're looking to pass things on. But I think just... Absolutely, I'll give it a listen. Yeah, cool. I think just having your kids around, you know, around what you're doing as well and involving them and, and having yeah. them, you know, pick up from into their subconscious just from all the discussions mm. you have and yeah, that yeah. already giving them a huge head start. So Yeah, exactly. So, uh, yeah, you've been a client of ours in property management side. What would you say to anyone, I guess, considering us as their manager because you've had a bit to do with us now? I have, yeah, plenty of conversations over the time that I've been a client but I would say just to give you and your team the time of day for a chat that'll you know sort of be the starting point they'll see that you're a professional team that you care and that you know what you're doing which is um, probably two of the key ingredients for example we have a great tenant in that home in Beckenham and it really has been stress-free to date you don't know whether you would have had that same tenant with another manager or not but that's an alternate universe so the way I see it is <laughs> yeah. the team we put around us is largely responsible for that i guess the other thing actually is is you get direct access to you and anyone else on the team you know so you're able to to build that relationship and see the full team looking after your most expensive investments stealing your knowledge and that sort of stuff which Jeez, i might i'm trying to might do have, uh, <laughs> you might have opened the door to <laughs> yeah too many phone calls there yeah, sorry about that. You can get it that side out. <laughs> I'm happy to help. I'm just keen to, I'm always loved seeing people that are taking action and doing things. And, you know, you've certainly epitomized that. And it seems like you've already come so far in five years from when you started. So, yeah, yeah, exactly. I think looking back, I probably have. And it is, you know, largely being willing to ask the question, as I mentioned earlier, and just put the right team around you. So, I know I have probably asked you quite a few questions over the time and <laughs> you've never hesitated to help. So hopefully I don't open the door too much. That's probably why I thought of uh, getting you on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's probably in your inbox. <laughs> I know what's going on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So uh, what do you see for Perth property in the year ahead? Um, always good to get, you know, everyone's take on on things. Being a local, we've got lots of uh, interstate investors that don't have the benefit of being on the ground. Yeah, I think... Um, even with the current COVID situation and economic climate, 
will probably have a pretty good year in Perth. The fundamentals are there. And I remember those fundamentals being there just before the pandemic hit as well, you know, the low stock or lowering stock, the increasing demand. Um, and I think that demand will only increase when the borders open um, simply because people need somewhere to live. And there'll be a mix of people purchasing and renting, obviously, but they literally all need a roof over their heads. Mm. So, um, if anyone hasn't listened to my episode on what's the likely effect of the borders opening, then it'd be a good one to go back and tune into because, yeah, yeah it, even if we get half the impact that we've had during our past two booms, like it'll be a massive level of difference on the number of transactions that we have on rental and sale. So it's the what the ace up the sleeve at the moment. Um, mm, absolutely. Perth's very affordable, I think, as you uh, point, point out here. So. Yes. Yeah, exactly. So I think, um, you know, you've, as you just mentioned, you've got a lot of listeners over east and that interest is translating into purchases as well. So there's there's investors from over east in the market looking to purchase in WA, um, which is very encouraging and pretty well understandable, really, given we're below fair market value compared to other major cities like Adelaide and Brisbane. Yeah. It's crazy in my mind that Adelaide has a higher median house price. Like I just can't mm. contemplate it. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't make so. sense. Not that I've been to Adelaide, so I probably can't comment, but on paper it doesn't make sense. Yeah. <laughs> so what are some of your future property plans uh, just to round out our episode? It'd be good. What are you thinking of getting up to? Obviously got a, got your house to finish off getting built and yep. hopefully into that at the end of the year and anything else yeah. on the cards? Yeah, so we're casually looking for our next property. I don't know if I'm being overzealous, but I don't see the need to wait until Mount Hawthorne is finished being built. It would give us obviously more clarity to our situation at that point, but we're casually looking now and we're very interested in the Burr method, which I'm sure a lot of your listeners have heard of, but it's an acronym which is um, buy, renovate, rent, refinance and repeat. So I think we've done to an extent with our um, existing portfolio, but it's a strategy that's really at the top of our priority list going forward. Um, so we'll be looking for something that ticks all those fundamental boxes. But if we can operate on that BIRM method, then we want to do that. And if something has subdivision uh, potential on top of that, then that's just the icing on the cake. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, I think um, my brother mm -hmm. has just moved over here from New Zealand with his family as well. So um, we're potentially looking at sort of leveraging off each other and um, seeing what we can do together if, if the cards play out right. Yeah, it can always be worth considering um, doing stuff with family members or close friends if it helps you get into the market sooner. And I might have to, I think you suggested that I record an episode on it coming up. So yeah, I've been working on ideas because I've done, I think I was adding up the other day, 13 odd joint ventures over the years. And um, you learn a lot from doing them and what works and what doesn't and and yeah i wish i could go back and uh, not have made some of the mistakes in that area too <laughs> yeah i think it's you know as soon as you mix family and business and that sort of thing it it can be very tricky which um if you do get around to recording an episode on that i'll definitely be listening let's get those insights so obviously don't want to be putting my financial situation before my brother <laughs> so <laughs> um we'll see how it goes awesome well, thank you so much for coming on today and being so open and transparent. And yeah, it's just awesome to see how all your hard work is paying off. And I, I think we're definitely going to have a better 
10 years ahead, whether we, you know, grow for six months or 12 months more and then have a quieter period, I think we're still so undervalued that the light's going to shine on us really brightly at some point. And uh, hopefully you'll see all the benefits of that sunshine when we get it. Certainly hoping so. That's the plan, <laughs> trying to build towards that. Um, but, but you've at least done pretty well, all things yeah. considered. And, you know, a lot of what you've done was in a downward market. And, and yeah. yeah, it's great to see with Mount Hawthorne how, how well you've done there. So, yeah, it's certainly the best performer for us. And um, hoping it's a bit of a catalyst onto the next one or two or three properties. So we'll see mm. how that goes. You'll be able to use that equity to do more things when it's all built and the banks can be kept happy. Exactly. <laughs> That's right. Thanks, mate. No worries, Jared. Thanks for having me on, mate. Chats Appreciate soon. it. Talk to you soon. Bye.